Do you love the sound of squeaking sneakers on a shiny hardwood? You get just as pumped about a fast break dunk as you do a touchdown pass. Would you be just as excited to meet Jimmy Jackson as you would Archie Griffin? If so, then this is the show for you. You're listening to Shots from the Shot, presented by the OHIO Podcast. Now it's game time. OHIO. Welcome back to Shots from the Shots. I'm the Monk, and I'm joined by one of my favorite Buckeye Nation members, Buckeye Boggs. Well, thank you, Jason. I appreciate that, my man. <laughs> and no problem. I hope you're uh, staying warm down there, given this weather. I am. I am a little, little under the weather uh, this weekend, and woke up this morning with a little bit of a sore throat. But um, I'll push through, my man. Right. Yeah, I've got the sniffles, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> but all right, um, we'll go ahead and get going then. Uh, it was great to see the Buckeyes finally get back on the winning side of things. Um, they actually played a really good game. I didn't get to watch it live, but I did catch it on a recording. And I, I like some of the things that were going on. And I'm just trying to figure out, though, what is up with this that seems to be a curse in January for Chris Holtman's teams. There is definitely an issue there. There's no doubt about that. What's he? Is, is this his fifth year as the coach or sixth year? This is his sixth season as the okay. head coach. Yeah. So literally, all every season but two, he's had a losing record in the month of January, and one of those was like four and three. So it wasn't that impressive on the winning side. <laughs> but hopefully they get that figured out because it's uh, definitely been repetition for sure so all right segment one what um do you think that holtman finally found a starting lineup and has it correct um so that's a good question uh monk i i don't know looking at this roster and looking at this team if he has necessarily figured out what the best lineup is. Um, and I can't, I, 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 you know, there's a couple reasons why that would be. Okay. The first reason is you have freshmen who are now in the midst of learning what big 10 play is all about. Um, their legs are going to start to get weaker, which means their shots aren't going to start to fall um, because they're just not used to this, kind of of uh, schedule high school uh, high school basketballs you know you usually play one or two games on the weekend maybe one during the week your travel is a very um, short distances usually on a bus where these guys are traveling long distances on planes Um, they're doing it late at night they're turning around a day or two later going through a walkthrough and then having to play another game. And so your conditioning changes, changes big time in college basketball from high school. So I don't know if that has the, uh, something to do with it. That obviously might be a little bit. And then you have what I feel, and I might get a little bit of heat of this, but I think you have a lack of some veteran leadership, especially from Justice Suing. I don't know if it's just the fact that He's in a slump himself, but he 
honestly, during that losing streak, Jason looked disinterested at times. Yeah. Uh, you have that going on. You have a, a banged up Zed key and without your, your emotional leader in the paint, you, you really have one other paint player, one other post player in Felix Akpara, who is a true freshman. Okay. Um, you have what I think is right now a stalled development in Roddy Gale Jr. He does some really good things, and then he also does some freshman things. Um, I think you have a total failure in in any production, offense, especially offensively, from Tanner Holden. Um, Absolutely. He's been a complete and utter disappointment, in my opinion. And, and it was nice to see Isaac Likely – come to the forefront and say, I'm just going to start to take this team and make it mine. He did that before at Oklahoma state. And I think there's maybe been some communication from Chris Holtman to him that says, you've got to take it over because right now the offense is Bryce sends the ball and usually one or two other people might get into double digits. You need to increase your scoring. And he definitely did that against Iowa scoring 18 points and leading the team with 32 minutes played. Right, and he was aggressive. Like uh, he got uh, shot five of the total seventeen free throws, and it just like you said, the little things that he does, the leadership. I mean, he's got a complete all-around game, and you definitely need one of those type of guys on the floor with you, especially with all the young players. <clears throat> um, I like that he put in uh, Roddy Gale as a starter because at this point. If things aren't working the other way, you might as well put the young guy in, see what he, what he can produce with increased minutes, and let him start to really get the feel of the flow. Because I mean, you got to build for the future, and that's yeah, what he you're is. you're gonna lose after the season's over. You're gonna lose Isaac Likely, Justice Suing. Uh, let's face it, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna lose Bryce Sensenball. You know, he's he's a he's a first round draft pick. You're going to lose Tanner Holden, which not much of a loss there in my opinion, but it is what it is at this point. Uh, you're going to lose Sean McNeil. You'll have, hopefully, a returning senior in Zed Key and a bunch of freshmen moving on into their sophomore years in Felix Akpara. Um, you'll have Roddy Gale Jr. Yeah, and you'll have uh, – Yep. There you go. You'll have Bruce Thornton. And that's going to be the nucleus of your basketball team next year, uh, along with this sensational freshman class that will be coming in again. So getting those guys' experience is going to be key for the future. I'm not calling the season completely lost yet, but if they go through another four- or five-game losing streak again, Monk, you can chalk it up. They're done. They won't make the tournament. Right, yeah. um, they would have to win the they'd have to win the Big Ten tournament outright. I think as of right now, after that Iowa Iowa win, they're sitting at either one of the last four in or first four out. So we'll see. And that's but, if the and that and that if that position that you're in right there is if you play just barely above 500 ball going out is how you're going to stay in that position. Right. You're going to have to definitely improve on that if you want to make sure that you're getting in as a sixth or seventh seed. And 
I don't know that they've got it in a monk. I mean, I was really down on this basketball team, and they played incredibly well Saturday. Maybe it took me betting against them to finally get them because I, I have lost uh, in the last five games. I've lost. I've bet on them four times and have lost all four times. Three times right. I took them <laughs> on the over and, and failed, and then uh, – and then I took them on. I took Iowa on the under because I had lost hope in them. And then they won. So I'm like, does it take me betting against the Buckeyes for them to do this? I will. I right. will. If that's the streak <laughs> that it needs. But my gosh, at this moment, man, it was. I was really down on them, and it. I needed that game as a fan, yeah, and I know absolutely. they needed it as a team right now. And I think Holtman needed it as a coach, and. Um, I know Buckeye Nation right now is really down on this team, and they can get them back if they go on a nice little win streak here. But they're going to have to play ball exactly like they played against Iowa at home the remainder of the way to even have a chance. Oh, yeah. I I, I think some uh, harsh truths and words were said after that last loss in between them two games because it looked like a whole nother team out there on Sunday. I mean, they were – attentive they were focused they didn't have that down and out look like they did especially against Rutgers man like you were saying they just they were not interested whatsoever the focus was completely gone like one play that I happened to catch when Zed Key was complaining about something runs into the ball carrier (laughs) creates a turnover for his own team (laughs) yeah I it was it was a circus it literally looked like a circus it was it was embarrassing it was. It definitely was. I, I needless to say, I didn't watch much after that one. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, that's pretty crazy." But I, I, I just, I like the lineup. I think they can build off of it. I mean, like if the season is a wash, at least we have the starting blocks to start building for next year, and we'll definitely be keeping our eye on Zed Key because he's going to be an important component. <laughs> yeah, I hope off-season. somehow. Yeah, I hope somehow he doesn't end up in the portal. Uh, I really hope not because, yeah, we will be extremely young again next year. So, all right. Um, And then segment two with, I mean, kind of answered this in a way, but with suing at McNeil coming off the bench, do you feel that they benefited? I know, I know Sean did. Sean McNeil, he played really well. I think he had 10 points against the Hawkeyes. Um, I like him as kind of a streaky shooter. We need a bucket, bring him off the bench, give him some fresh legs. It's important as a shooter that you have fresh legs in the later parts of the game. So I like that. I think suing coming off the bench was not necessarily for a strategic reason other than I think he kind of got benched in all honesty. Right. Uh, I, I think even if he did get benched, I think it could be um, a good silver lining to it because he is really, with his inconsistent play, it, it's like he's either trying too hard and, you know, it's kind of messing him up or he's just not putting enough effort into it. There's that fine line where you got to hit that middle point to really, you know, do like what Sensabaugh is doing on a consistent basis. And I, I think with him coming off the bench, he can sit back, watch the flow of the game, see how it's all coming, and go in there and make an impact. I, I, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> Justice's game has always been one that he lets the game come to him. He doesn't go and try to 
you know, uh, change the tempo of the game and force and force, you know, his game upon the game. He lets the game come to him, which is why he's been a streaky player at Ohio State uh, throughout his career. And, you know, he's he's second on the team in uh, points per game right now. He's at twelve point nine points per game. Uh, of course, Bryce is at seventeen point five, which is just crazy Monster. good. You know, Zed Key's right behind Justice at 12.1. But my point being is Justice is important to this team, and he's got to get his head right. And sometimes when you are dependent upon to be a scorer, you just got to go get the bucket. Um, Too much settling for three-pointers in my mind for Justice. He's a lefty, which creates a lot of mismatches a lot of times, especially when you're on the left side of the the court and offense. And – he has in his career in the past has used that to his advantage with, you know, taking the ball to the the rack and getting, you know, kind of like wide open layups and bank shots because he is a lefty. Right. And he's just not done that during this losing streak. He's just not taking the ball with any authority at all to the hoop. He's just settled way too much. And it was very refreshing to see. Isaac Likely do that. Isaac Likely was taking the ball to the rack, man. Oh, like, he was a monster. <laughs> he was being aggressive. And I don't know if it was kind of a uh, let me show you how it's done type of thing here to the older justice. But I don't know, man. Sometimes you read into things. Uh, but body language to me as a head coach is very, very important. Um, one thing I could not stand was poor body language from my team and from my players. You right. always gave maximum effort. You always held your head high. You always looked me in the eye, and you and I wanted to see confidence. And I don't know if it was a lack of confidence because I've not had the opportunity to look justice in the eye and, and from that perspective, obviously, as a, from a coaching perspective. But when when the camera's on him during the game, I've just not seen a confident body language being portrayed by him. I've seen a kind of lackadaisical, I don't care, uh, things aren't going my way, I'm just kind of not going to give my best effort type of look from him. And his play has obviously been affected by that. And I honestly believe, Monk, that was why he was not in the starting lineup against Iowa. He's had some poor body language. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It definitely shows in the play. And I did see a Holtman's press conference with uh, McNeil not starting was because he actually asked Holtman to not start because <clears throat> something going on that he wasn't quite sure exactly what he could give. So that's why he wasn't starting. Yeah, you, you see a lot of this today in uh in, in college basketball um one of Iowa's players uh hasn't been playing for the last month because he's been dealing with depression um you see this a lot now today and i think social media i think jimmy jackson was the one talking about it how that these players today are dealing with this when players in the past didn't because they just didn't hear the negativity like they hear today on social media um you know, people on the radio would talk about what, you know, the, like Justice Suing, like we just did, but it was on the radio. You know, today it's on the radio, it's on the podcasts, like ours. <laughs> it's it's written down and, and, 
you know, on the internet everywhere. It's in, and then, and then what's the worst part of it is you then have people go to social media and tag him, uh, in, in things like this. Plus they go and they will say it right to his face on social media. I know it's not right to his face, right. but you get my point. They're, they're speaking it to him in the written form. And that's keyboard that, gangsters. <laughs> you got it. Yep. That wears on a, on a young man's psyche. And so, I do believe that that is the main culprit for why you see so much um, mental um, anxiety and depression being affected in these young men uh, that you just didn't see in the past. You know, a lot of us old timers would say toughen up, you know, but we didn't have to live in that. I've, I've always said to my kids, I thank God I didn't have to grow up with social media when I was in high school. Right, because when we were in school, you know, you you always had that break where you get to go home and you're away from everything. Where now it's in their face 24/7, like you said, because yeah, yeah. So if they're getting it at school, they're getting it on social media at home, so they don't ever get that escape. And yeah, it's a terrible thing. So I agree 100% with you on that one. And um. With them two coming off the bench, do you feel the team benefited in any way? Yeah, I thought there was a little bit more energy for those guys when they came off the bench. I thought maybe there was kind of a um, sense of um, – uh, I think the word I want to look for here is a um, – um, the, the word's escaping me, but – they had more of a drive, um, urgency, sense of urgency was okay, the, is right what I'm on. is what I'm getting at. Like, you know, like I, I my minutes, you know, when you start a basketball game, you think to yourself, I've got 40 minutes, right? Right. I'm going to I'm going to be able to do this. Well, when you don't start, you already feel like your ability to impact the game is being limited. Now, it might not be in the end. It all comes out in the wash. Right. <laughs> you, yep. you end up playing the same amount of time, even if you coming off the bench than you were as a starter at times. But that that mental thing of, OK, I don't get to play the first five minutes, four minutes, whatever. And you subtract that in your mind already. So I don't have 40 minutes. I only get 36, 35, whatever, you know. You come off the bench with a little bit more pep in your step. There's a little bit more, like I said, sense of urgency on that. That's why you will see sometimes a coach sit a guy down and and not start him at at first. Not necessarily because he's in trouble or he doesn't like something. He just wants to get give him – a little little different perspective, like you said, right. and that and that works on a guy's psyche. So maybe they do come out with a little bit more energy than what they've had before. So to answer your question, yes, in this case, I liked it. Do I want to see Sean McNeil come off the bench the rest of the season? I do, simply because I want to save his legs a little bit. Right. Um, as a shooter, Justice, I don't know. That depends on on what he's going to do the rest of the season. Was this a one-time thing, and now he's got his head screwed on right, and he's gonna he's gonna have better body, body language, he's gonna be that leader? Uh, then no, I want him starting. But if if this is gonna be a continual thing, then I don't know. And maybe Justice is gonna go to Coach Holtman and say, you know what, I don't deserve to start right now. I don't. I've I've seen guys do that too, and it to them it gives them a little bit more of a control of their game. 
right. where right now it felt like they had no control of their game. Right. And so even though it's a little bit of humble pie that they're serving themselves, it forces them to um, put themselves in a better mind space, which sometimes basketball is just as much mental as it is physical. Yeah, it definitely is. It's, I like <clears throat> I was saying with uh, people sitting on the or coming off the bench, you know, they are a little better because they get to have a chance to sit and see how things are playing. I always did better when I came off the bench because mentally when I started, I just was so in my head wondering, you know, what was going to happen, how it's going to go here, here, here. So I always benefited from getting to watch, you know, for a few minutes before I got into the game. So that's why I was thinking maybe I would work with suing and he would benefit from that. And definitely with McNeil coming off the bench, I think it's a great thing too, because you get that uh, instant score, you know, Vinny Johnson, totally right there, get the microwave. And that just said such a big boost for your team when a guy comes in and hits two three-pointers back-to-back like he did, especially that second one that bounced up and rolled in somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that – was shoot. that's called shooter's touch, baby. Oh, yeah, got to love it. little home cooking. Okay. And then kind of, to kind of go with it, but uh, what – what things did you notice differently in this Buckeye team during the win that they weren't doing in the, during the losing streak? There was definitely more aggression in attacking the boards, especially on defense. Um, <clears throat> I also thought that they definitely within the um, motion of their offense, within the flow of their offense <clears> – <throat> were being slightly a bit more patient than they have been and trying to find little lanes within the Iowa defense to get the ball closer to the rim, whether that be an entry pass to the post or whether that be coming off of um, a dribble drive and maybe the defense switches and now you have more of a favorable matchup. Um, I heard Holtman several times yell out for Felix to screen at the top in the offense which tells me that within the flow of the offense and when you're running a four out one under motion offense, which is not your traditional three out two men in the post off motion offense, which is extremely easy to run because it's literally just pass and replace. Right. And then the post guys switch. Sometimes they flash the, the guy when he switches from block to block will then flash to the top of the key. Um, and so, you know, to, to create kind of a mismatch. Um, but when you have a four out one under motion offense, which is what Ohio state is traditionally running in their base offense, you have to be able to spread the court, have understanding of good spreading and move without the basketball. The thing I hate about four out one under, and I ran it too, because a lot of times I would have one good post player and I'd have four wings. And then what are you going to do? Throw a, a wing in the post and just basically hamstring his, you know, his offense. No, you're not going to do that. So you, you run a four out one under the thing is, is the players have to understand number one spacing. Like I said, and number two, how to move without the basketball. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest problems of a four out one under is you get caught stopping and watching because right. you're out around the key. You're the ball might be on the other side of, of the, 
of the court. And so your defender is playing, he's, he's hedging more towards the center of the lane and, and, and positioning himself. So he's got one eye on the basketball, one eye on you. If you stand still, your defender never has to worry about you. He never has to move. He never has to worry about losing you. If you move without the basketball better, then it's going to create confusion in the defense. Against Iowa, I saw the motion without the ball better. And so what it was doing is it was creating the defenders in Iowa to have to move, and it automatically creates lanes for people to drive the basketball with, and you have to be aggressive in doing that. Right. It's a simple thing. I know I, I know it sounds very oversimplified, and if you have a really good defense – Usually, you know, it, it's it they make it tough on you. The other thing that defenses do, Monk, on a situation like this, especially if they do not respect your your shot, is they will just sit back in a two three zone, right, and say we don't care what you do. It's really designed to take away your ability to drive or throw the ball down low, and they're daring you to shoot. You have to. It's called shooting them out of the zone. Oh you, yeah. That's why if you pop two or three threes in a row, I don't care. The only team I know, I know for a fact who won't leave the zone is Syracuse, no matter what. <laughs> so you can shoot them out of a zone, right? But when you have a team like Iowa, who's like not going to play much zone at all because it's just not their base defense. They're a lot like Ohio State. They're going to play straight up man to man most of the game. Right. You've got to be able to move without the basketball in the four out one under motion offense. And they did that really, really well. Yeah, in all honesty, Rutgers is the worst matchup for Ohio State. Because the way Rutgers plays defense, our four out one under offense sucks. If I was if I was Coach Holtman, as crazy as this sounds, I would play Felix Akpara and Zed Key together at the same time against against Rutgers. I'd go with a, a big man offense and I would get the ball in the post all night long. I would basically tell uh, Bruce Thornton and Isaac Likely handle the basketball. Bryce, you drive the basketball, but we are getting the ball in the post all night long against that Rutgers defense because you're playing right into their hands with the type of offense you're running, man. Right. And, and that with that good with that good pressure defense that they run. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, along the same lines of bringing you know Akpara and Key together to have the two bigs, but I, I was thinking more along the lines of having the wings run. Uh, screens around him on the inside to try to create some openings, kind of like what Reggie yeah. Miller used to do. Absolutely, with yeah, Rip, yeah. Rip so, Hamilton. So that's and that would be why it's why I gave you the lineup I did with Isaac Likely and Bruce Thornton as your ball handlers. Like they're, right. I'm not even looking <clears throat> for them to score. I mean, just don't turn the ball over. Handle the pressure, boys. Right. Bruce Thornton, Justice Suing, uh, Sean McNeil. You guys are the Reggie in that offense. You're running around, creating havoc for them. And what happens is you get lost in the big guys. Mm-hmm. They get they get lost. And and you, I just feel like those two would have a heyday if you would put them together against the team. 
Because I'll be honest with you, straight up, the best defensive team I've seen right now in the Big Ten is Rutgers. Uh, they're absolutely they're athletic and long at so many spots. I was actually really impressed with that uh, big guy that they had in there. If he wouldn't have gotten in foul trouble early, it would have been a whole lot worse for us. He absolutely would have been. You're right. So, but I mean, just the way that Reggie Miller was able to get right up on his big guys and curl off of that screen. And I mean, the big guy really wasn't set and he was just standing there. That was yeah. like so, poetry so, in motion. <laughs> right. So Reggie was able to do what they call getting small. Okay. He would literally get down in a, a really athletic stance, almost like he's playing defense or like a tennis player before the serve comes. You're, you're down on the balls of your feet. You, you, you've got a nice athletic stance. You can go left or right, right? And he would mm-hmm. almost hide behind the defender. So if you can't squeeze in between the post player, the post uh, the post player and your man as a defender, then you have to play up over top of the postman and you have to basically follow at that point. So yeah. you're either going to trail or you're going to play up and try to deny one of the two. If you trail, Reggie would curl. Mm-hmm. Okay. He would always curl off of that. And he was great at hitting the mid range jumper as well. Um, or if you're going to sit off and you're going to basically try to deny, what he would do is he would act like he was going to go to the outside. And then as soon as he got you going one way, he would quickly cut back the other way and come up through the middle of the paint, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. So it's it's a it's an easy way to start an offense if you start, start behind the post player like he would do. I hardly ever see Ohio State do that. And I wish they would have done it last year. They had the perfect team to do that last year with uh, EJ Liddell. Because man, if he, you know if they had to kick it out or you know send it back out, he can hit anywhere on the court. It would have been awesome for him. And so if you start your offense that way, you come up off of the screen, you curl around, you catch it on the on the uh, perimeter. The very first thing that that post player would do, if you remember, is he would then almost like make an L cut, right? He'd come up to the top Mm -hmm. and then he would come straight out and set a screen for Reggie. So you were playing pick and roll off of the screen to start the offense. And while that was going on, the point guard who just entered that pass to Reggie would cut across to the other side of the floor and set a screen for the other um, post or wing guy, right? They would have set like a double screen. The other post player and the point guard would set a double screen and he would either go low or high. I mean, it's such a basic motion offense to start a motion offense. And Ohio State never does it. And, and you, it works. You, and you usually can get like a, at least, I don't know, what, two or three cheap buckets a game just just off the beginning of your offense, just rolling uh, off of ab- it quickly. Absolutely. And I, I think with uh, the shooters that we have, especially in Sensball and McNeil, they're going to have to respect that. I, it's going to open things up in the middle of yeah, so I I think we get a lot of easy buckets. I, and I would give Sean McNeil and Bryce Sensible a green light to where you come up off that screen to start your offense and you're open and you're feeling it, pick and pop, oh, shoot absolutely. it, absolutely. Because what's it's going to do? It's going to force them to extend the defense to prevent that from happening. And like I said, that's when the post is going to open up more. Yeah, and they like you were talking about how when they're standing there, the defense can just basically watch it go around they're not gonna be able to do that 
they have to follow follow the shooter and the runner. No, they're just they're just what they're doing is just packing down. They're one step out from from you from the three point line, and then when you catch the ball, it's just one step forward, hand in your face. It's yeah. simple. It's simple defense. He's make the Ohio State offense. I've I've I, and I didn't plan to get in this conversation with you tonight, Muff, but here <laughs> we are. Holtman's offense has frustrated me for years because it's so non-imaginable at times. It, I, I know it's a basic offense that everybody runs today because the game has changed to where it's more of a perimeter game than it is a post game like it used to be. But the the problem with that is it creates lazy habits mm-hmm. in the offense. And you have to break players' lazy habits. I used to set goals for players to say, I want four drives to the hoop during the game from you, at least four. I, I want to see you take the ball and drive it. Okay. And, and what it did was it forced them to not be comfortable on the perimeter and just stand there. Okay. And the other thing is I would challenge them is make backdoor cuts. When was the last time you've seen Ohio State player make a backdoor cut? uh, Mid-2000s, Aaron Kraft time, (laughs) early 2010s. Yeah, it's been a long time, right? Like I have not seen Ohio State player make a simple back cut forever. Because, yeah, it seems like uh, maybe William Buford or Kraft or one of those guys (laughs) because they would do that. But they were also old school type players. The whole the whole point of a backdoor cut is not to to get an easy layup. Does it happen sometimes? Yeah, it does. But the whole idea of a backdoor cut is to flush the defense out from that mm-hmm. side of the ball of the offense. That's so your point guard's dream right there. Yes, and then you drive it to the hoop, and you've got the perfect point guard. We saw it last week against Iowa. Isaac likely can take the ball in the rack. It's clearing out is what they call it in in, in, to, in today's term, kids. They, they say right. clear out, right? Well, if you make that backdoor cut within the motion of your offense, you're basically clearing out for the ball handler, and you're creating a basically a two-on-two game with uh, your, your post player. So Ohio State could do so many things offensively, and it, there's just no creativity. And it, it feels like at times this offense has – during the losing streak anyways, been very much like we saw last year where it's like, okay, Bryce, um, bail us out at the end of this offensive right. set because we've done absolutely nothing. You know? EJ, EJ point 2.0. EJ Liddell 2.0, that's right. And then <laughs> until Malachi was like, give me the rock, I'm going to score too. Right. But, all right, it's, enough of that, man. I, it got me on a soapbox. That's just funny because uh, literally me and Scott Rogers were talking about that just a couple of days ago, that same exact scenario of last year, how they just stood around. <laughs> yeah, we need to get Scott on. He's a good basketball coach too, man. Okay, talk, so. Talk axes and O's, man. Yeah, he's great to talk with. Um, So where would you, now that we're on Sensible, and that rolls right into it, so perfect timing. Um, where would you rank him offensively amongst um, past freshmen? Offensively, yeah. he's right up there, man. Um, oh, I don't know if I would call him the best ever, but I'm having a hard time 
in my head coming up with a freshman who's had as big of an offensive impact at his position. Okay. All right. I mean, I it, it's I think it's pretty easy to go back uh, to the what was it to 2006 um, national championship team that went to the to the NCAA championship game. Um, Conley and Odin. 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 Odin offensively as a freshman was unbelievable. Okay. Well, by by the numbers, Odin on um, he was uh, 15.7 points a game. Where Sensabaugh is Sensabaugh's at 17 got him and by a half. bucket. Yeah, he's got yeah. him by a bucket, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but again, those are different positions. That's what I'm getting at. All right. Um, I'd say the closest would have to be Sullinger to Sensabaugh. What was his numbers as a freshman? Uh, he averaged 17.2, so he's right Ooh, there okay. with Sensabaugh. There you go. And then, uh, of course, D'Angelo Russell averaged 19.3. And the crazy thing about his. He had scored 25 or more points in seven games his freshman year and was double digits in all but two games the entire season. Wow. <laughs> I guess I guess that slipped my mind on how good he was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew he was good, but when I looked back and I looked at the numbers, I'm like, wow, he was that good. <laughs> if Yeah. If you would have asked me what his numbers were, I would have said probably somewhere around 12 to 14. I yeah, did not realize he was that high. Yeah, and then um, yes, uh, Sullinger actually averaged his freshman year averaged a double double for the entire season. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> he was a beast. He was. <clears throat> so yeah, I would put him second or third personally myself. But he definitely has a chance to get number one if he keeps increasing like he has because he just seems to get better and better <laughs> yeah he's he's not slowed down at some point he's gonna have a bad game <laughs> now i don't know if it's if it's gonna be necessarily in the points department but it might be in the percentage department right. because he's right now is the offense it seems like especially during this losing streak it was it was if he wasn't scoring close to 20 we had no chance so right um we'll see what he does in the second half of the big 10 because the competition is going to step up but as far as him and malachi branham he's every every bit as good as where malachi branham is except he's just got there faster yeah like malachi didn't really turn it on to the second half of the season yep i agree 100 percent. and like I, th- I think our second half of the season is going to depend a lot I mean, of course, sensible, but I think likely is going to be the make it or break it. If he continues to play like he did Sunday, then we're going to be all right. But if he can't stay somewhere consistent to that level, I think we're in trouble. (laughs) I think you're right. So because I just I don't see anyone else being that that type of player that's going to step up and take over, because if you haven't seen it at this point, it's really not going to happen. Like we're at that at that breaking point, that tipping point. So I hope likely <laughs> becomes everything that we know he can be. So all right, and then kind of sticking with Sensible, and I mean I know you answered this earlier because you said he was a definite one and done, <laughs> but you don't think his inconsist inconsistent defensive play, maybe mixed with some good NIL money, might be enough to keep him around? <laughs> no. I don't. First off, I don't think there will be enough NIL money in Columbus for 
uh, him when you have that NIL spending so much on the football team. Right. But the basketball team is always going to play second fiddle. <laughs> Number yeah. two, I just – I don't think the NBA is concerned about his defense. They're just not. Yeah, it's, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh, man, his offensive game is so far ahead that they would look past that Yep. And just work with him. Yep, you got it. So, all right, well, we'll continue on to our uh, fifth segment. Time to kind of play a game. The game is Holtman starting five to keep his coaching job alive. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <coughs> this is this ought to be interesting. So I went with my point guard being Isaac Likely. Ditto. My, that's 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 you uh, the same. You there's no <laughs> way you're not gonna go with Ice Likely right now, right? Especially coming off that game. Oh yeah, and it just he's, he does everything. So that's so intangible. Um, shooting guard. To me, obvious choice would be McNeil. I'm going to disagree with you. I I really like what I saw coming off the bench as the sixth man. I think he's comfortable being the sixth man. I feel like he believes he's more dangerous as the sixth man. Right. So at the shooting guard, I'm probably going to go with – Ooh. I don't think Roddy Gale's ready yet. Bruce Thornton's who I'm going to go with. Okay. See, I like that too because I think Thornton benefits a lot from being out there with Likely and like kind of just learning as he's watching and playing with him because uh, Likely has really kind of taken Thornton under his wing and been his mentor like from the get go. So I do like that. All right. Now, what about your small forward? Let's go ahead and go with um, – because you can put Bryce here or you can put him at the four. I like Justice handling the ball a little bit better than Bryce. So I'm going to say – and they're really interchangeable when you're playing the four out, one under, mm-hmm. in, all, in all honesty. So let's go ahead and just put Bryce here. Okay. I went with Roddy Gale Jr. Okay, I'm, now I'm I did more of an offensive approach. Okay, if you're gonna say offense though, now you do realize he's only averaging 3.9 points per game. But when he's not, he hasn't been getting the minutes, and I think once he starts getting those minutes, I don't know. I just got a good feeling. You, you did too. You, you had good feelings about him at the start. I did. I he did. Just had, he has to get the opportunity. And okay. if, he, if he's going to be starting, I think we're going to start seeing the increase. So you're not playing Justice Suing then is what I'm hearing nope. you say. Absolutely okay. not. Are you worried, though? Because remember, we're trying to save Holtman's job here. Are you worried that Justice Suing being a, what is he, a fifth or six-year senior, that this would create some tension in the team and maybe – uh, kind of being like a cancer in the team in the clubhouse in the locker room there with a bad uh, attitude. It, it could be, but I think more that he would benefit from coming off the bench myself because, you know, like I said, he'd be able to sit and watch the things, but yeah, he very well could be, he could resent that choice. But 
his play and like you said earlier with his uh, body language of not looking like he even wants to be out there you know he put it on himself to be honest with you <laughs> so I'm going with justice here because I think he's the team leader and I think maybe hopefully coming off the bench against Iowa woke him up. Um, we'll see. You might be right, but I, if I'm, if I'm coach Holtman, I'm typically going to ride with my senior in that situation. Right. Well, I hope you're right. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, and for my power forward, I went with sensible, of course, <laughs> Right, And I think we're both on the same spot with our center, Mr. Finger Guns. Raise the roof. Yeah, he's beat up quite a bit, though, man. I'm a little worried about him finishing this season, brother. Yeah, have you heard anything on his knee? Sounds like he's okay. Sounds like it was just a a scare. But he's playing so beat up right now. I would not be surprised if those minutes starts taking a little bit dip more and more. And and that's okay, in all honesty, because quite frankly, uh, Felix Akpara, he might not be the offensive threat yet that Zed Key is. But defensively, the dude, the dude is uh, he's an animal, man. He definitely keeps people out of the paint. That's for sure. Oh yeah, it's like a block party. But I tell you, he's he's impressed me with his like uh, his rebounding and getting those nice putback points. He's done really well with that. He's definitely a lot more athletic than I thought he was. That's for sure. Uh, you don't remember me talking about when he first came in? They had to find a way to raise the vertical jump tester because you did. He was, That's right. He was going so far over it. <laughs> you did, but you know, jumping's one thing. Being an athlete's another thing. He, right? He's a straight up athlete, dude. Yeah, he is a monster. That is for sure. And it, once he gets an offensive game, like even just a good little post repertoire, he is going to be hard to stop. Ooh, and this game's getting too good. Too good. <laughs> Speaking of the Lady Buckeyes, putting it on the line. I mean, I'm behind on the game, so it's probably over already. They're down to a minute, <laughs> down by two, and they just uh, made a bucket and shooting a free throw right now. And then um, lastly, I want to say congratulations to Owen Spencer on getting awarded a scholarship. And what a great reveal that was. That was whoever, whoever came up with that, my hat's off to you on the uh, being so creative. <laughs> So, all right. Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and end this today. Um, make sure you guys get on the YouTube, like, and subscribe to the live show for the football podcast. It's absolutely wonderful. It was so nice to be able to type in and talk with you guys rather than me being at work looking like a psycho talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, uh, I tell you, I get funny looks all the time because I'm sitting there answering and talking with you guys as you're going, <laughs> even great. though no one can listen to me. But So, with that, uh, keep calm. Buckeye on. Take care, everybody. Oh, come, let's sing, oh, Hyos praise and songs through Amamaterain while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still. 
summer's heat or winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, how.